Well, hello, and thank you for joining me today for Centuries and Saints. It's good to be with you. This is Scott Matson, your host for the podcast. And today we are continuing our look here in season two at the attributes of God. Now, we're getting close to the end of this season, so today we will be discussing God's attributes of light, incomparability, and inscrutability. Now, you may be familiar with these concepts, or you may not be. Either way, that's okay. We're going to get into it on this episode, and I'm really looking forward to it. So please enjoy, and I will talk to you guys again after this. Well, hey, uh, last week we finished up um, our two-week, two-part look at the wrath of God. And as we've been discussing the attributes of God here for the last couple of months, uh, we, we touched on that last week and the week before. And what we saw last week was the distinction uh, between God's wrath and his other attributes, that his wrath is not so much one of those intrinsic, eternal attributes of just who he is, um, and in the same way that God is holy and God is love. He's holy, he's love, he, you know, he is righteous and just, um, and all those attributes of God. The Bible does not say God is wrath. No, God has wrath, but his wrath, as we saw, What that is, is that that is an outworking of his holiness and of his righteousness and of his love. That's an outworking of his attributes against sin, something that is outside of and external to himself, which is sin and evil, because there is no sin, evil, or darkness in God, we know from scripture. So God's wrath is his righteous response against sin and injustice and evil. And it is the outworking of his holiness and his love and his righteousness um, against Uh, evil and sin. So uh, we looked at that and we made that distinction last week. Okay. And so what we're going to do is this morning, we're going to just sort of sum up a couple of the other attributes of God. And then I think we're going to do the same next week. And then the week after that, we'll sort of wrap up this uh, look at the attributes of God that we've been doing for the last few months. Okay. So I'm feeling like it's kind of coming to a close and then we'll be moving on to something else after that. Uh, what I want to do then today, again, is just look at a couple more of the attributes of God that we haven't touched on yet uh, during these teachings and just sort of get, again, just more of a look at God and who he is according to his word. Uh, it's wonderful. And so here's a quote I want to read really quickly. And I love this. And it says this, quote, The Bible, God's word, tells us what God is like and what he is not like. Without the authority of the Bible, any attempt to explain God's attributes would be no better than an opinion, which by itself is often incorrect, especially in understanding God. End quote. Amen. And so again, that's why these last few months, uh, we've been taking these Saturdays to dig deeply into the study of just who God is, looking at his attributes Um, and who he is, looking at the ones that tend to be more comforting for us and the ones that tend to be, if we're being honest, less comforting and a little more scary, okay? And uh, and that's good, and that's valid. And if you think about it, in a sense, God is scary, very scary. I mean, he's almighty, eternal, and omnipotent, uh, you know, and infinitely holy, you know, and I mean, that's that's a scary thing, you know? Now, thankfully, he's also love, and he's good, and he has chosen to set his love on us. Amen. So praise him for that. Okay. And another thing that we do, I think, is often we, we think so much about what God does, the things that he does, which is very important. But I think that if we're not careful, uh, that can lead us 
uh, to sort of neglect more of who he is and his nature, because those things are distinct. The things that he does are an outflow of who he is, of his nature. So it's very important that we get an understanding of the very nature of God, who he is and his attributes. Um, That's an incredibly important thing. And uh, that way we can better know this wonderful God that we serve. Just as we meditate on the nature and the character of God, um, our preconceived notions must be checked and, when necessary, corrected by Scripture. Uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul, one of my favorite theologians and teachers, says this, quote, Whatever image we have of God the Father cannot comprehensibly grasp His essence. And yet all of the images that we have suggest something that is meaningful about God to us, end quote. Okay, so while it's true, there's no way that we are going to comprehensively, entirely, completely understand God. Um, We do have to look to scripture to know who he is as he's revealed himself. Okay, and the images that we have in our minds um, suggest something about God that is meaningful personally to each one of us. And that's good as long as those things, you know, are in agreement with scripture. Okay, now if how we feel or what we think or what we want God to be like matches up with his word, then great. We can go with that and rest in that. But if not, then even though we like the feeling and we like the thought, we need to repent of that and forsake that and allow the Holy Spirit to conform our thinking uh, to be in line with his word as far as who he is, his nature. Okay. So that's, again, that's why we're doing all of this, because these things are important. Uh, as the church, that we get just a more full understanding of who God is, of his nature and character. Okay, so that's a big need, I feel, just in the church corporately all over the world. And it's always good for us to study who God is. Uh, what I want to do again is, is just look at a couple of different aspects of God's attributes today that we haven't touched on so far. And so I want to start by looking um, at what we read in 1 John 1 5, telling us that God is light. Okay, now what does that mean? That's interesting. Now, do we mean by that like a light bulb? Well, of course not. Uh, that's, that's not really so much the idea here. Uh, in this sense, light has to do uh, with a couple of things, with God's holiness. You know, God is light. There is no darkness, no impurity. Uh, God is infinitely holy, okay? It also has to do with God's self-revelation to us, okay? Before we knew God, we were children of wrath. We were children of the devil and we walked in darkness. Okay. Our eyes were blinded and our hearts were darkened uh, by the evil one, by the enemy, the Bible tells us. Okay. But God with his infinite holy light breaks through that and he sets us free from the grasp of the enemy. And he illuminates our hearts and our minds to understand him and who he is. It has to do with his holiness and his self-revelation, okay? And it has to do with how we live our lives, because if we know God and we have fellowship with him, we will walk in the light as he is in the light, and we will not walk in darkness any longer. First John makes that very clear. An understanding of God's holiness should lead us to personal holiness, okay? To sanctification. And in regards to God's self-revelation, we have to keep in mind Uh, Paul makes the case in Romans 1 that no one is without an excuse uh, because by nature, by just looking at creation and nature around us, we all know that there is a God. Okay, so in general, we have general revelation through creation that we know that there is a being, a God out there who created all of this. Mankind, everyone, saved and unsaved, everyone intrinsically knows that there's a God. Now, some people try and suppress that and deny that. Other people take that and 
invent gods of their own or believe in false gods that are not the God of the Bible. But everyone knows by general revelation through nature and creation that there is a God. Now, however, specific revelation, special revelation is different. That is to know God personally, to know who he is, to actually understand that, for example, God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. That Yahweh, the God of Scripture, of the Bible, is the only true God. There is no other. That Jesus Christ is God, that through his death and resurrection we can be saved, and that he is the only way to the Father. And there's no salvation apart from him. Now, we don't know any of that just by looking around at nature. You know, those things have to come to us through special revelation, which God has given us in his word, the Bible. So all of that has to do with what it means that God is light. Okay, holiness and self-revelation. Okay, now, interesting examples in Scripture of God being light uh, is we know that Jesus, God the Son, appeared to Saul of Tarsus when Saul was on the road to Damascus to go and persecute the church, and Jesus appeared to him uh, as a bright, blinding light. Okay, and Saul got knocked off of his horse, and he was blinded for three days. Okay, and so we see that literally, okay, yeah, God is light, you know, and Saul of Tarsus was blinded and then converted, (laughs) okay? Um, We also see in the Gospels, in Matthew 17, for example, uh, where Jesus was transfigured on top of a mountain in the presence of Peter, James, and John. And the scriptures say that six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. That's Matthew 17, 1 through 2. There's another example of seeing how God is light, you know, literally. And we see that. Uh, His glory, his deity, his holiness shines out in this brilliant, blinding light that is brighter than the sun and, and, and more white than anything could ever be. God's holiness and and just who he is is just a blinding light. Uh, in fact, 1 Timothy 6.16 tells us that God dwells in unapproachable light. Okay, so to be in the direct unveiled presence of the triune God in heaven um, is to be in the presence of light that is so blinding and bright and holy and weighty and substantive that it's unapproachable. Now, the glory of the incarnation And the glory of the gospel is that we can boldly approach his throne of grace to find mercy to help in time of need, as Hebrews says. And so we see this beautiful, beautiful thing in scripture where God is so holy that, you know, he does not even look upon sin and we can't approach him and he dwells in unapproachable light. And yet he's made us holy. He's made us the very righteousness of himself through the gospel and tells us to boldly approach his throne. And so... My goodness. Anyways, studying the fact that God is light just, again, reveals the glory of God in the gospel, and it's a beautiful thing indeed to behold. Absolutely amazing. So again, we have creation and nature revealing God in a general way, uh, but much more specifically, God has revealed himself to us through his word, the Bible. That's God's self-revelation to humanity. It's the story of God, which is why when we study the attributes of God, we have to study them from the authority of his word, of him revealing himself to us, and not us just groping around trying to figure out what God is like. Rather, let's just look at what he has said about himself. 
Okay. Because if we don't, and if we only go with our feelings and our own thoughts, inevitably we will end up recreating God in our own image, which is idolatry. Because basically, we know with human history, when people create idols and false gods, basically it's just a little bit of a better version of themselves. That's what it is. So that's why we have to look to scripture. Okay. And most specifically and most personally, God has revealed himself to us by becoming one of us. God incarnated, took on flesh. God the Son, Jesus the Christ, uh, came and tabernacled among us. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, because Jesus is God, and he is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus told the disciples in John 14 that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't say, you've seen what the Father is like or a, a representation. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is exactly what the Father's like. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. God has revealed himself to us in his word and by becoming one of us. So he's given us his self-revelation. And again, we get all of that by reading scripture. So that's where we need to go to understand. So that's what it means that God is light. You know, it it speaks of his holiness, his otherness, and also of his self-revelation to us. Second, uh, we see that in the scriptures, God is incomparable. Okay. He there is none that can compare to him. Psalm 86, 8 says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. Okay, so we know from Scripture that God is sovereign over all of his creation. Okay, there's none that can ever begin to compare to God in any way. Now, I want to make this practical point. Um, sometimes in, in our Christian, you know, Christian walk and spiritual life, we sort of envision uh, that God and the devil are in this cosmic wrestling match, you know, and that, boy, I hope it turns out well, you know, as if they were sort of equal in power. Well, they're not. That's a complete joke. Um, in comparison to God, the devil's no more powerful than a human being or, you know, a, an ant. I mean, honestly, God is infinite and eternal, which means that, again, compared to infinity, it doesn't matter if you have one or a billion. Compared to infinity, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Um, God is eternal. The triune God created all things. He's the eternal creator, the almighty one. And he created everything that exists, all the spirits, um, everything under the earth, as scripture says, which means that the devil and demons and the forces of evil and principalities and powers they are all under the subjection, in subjection to and under the authority of, of Almighty God. You know, they can do nothing without God allowing them to do it. Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, even said this, the devil is God's devil. And what that means, again, is that the devil is merely a puppet on a string. Okay, God is orchestrating events and working things out in human history exactly as he ordains and as he wants. Okay, and the devil is not free to just run around and create chaos. Okay, now he does that, certainly. But everything he does, he only can do if God allows him to do it. And to get a practical example of that, just read, you know, the first couple chapters of the book of Job to see that. God created everything, including the spiritual realm and all beings in it. Uh, Okay, so, no, the devil is not in any way even close to God. 
in, in anything, not at all, no more than any of us are. God is infinitely powerful and omnipotent over creation, okay? And third, God is, and this is a, a word that we don't use much in our English, but it's inscrutable, okay? Unfathomable. He's beyond finding out. Uh, we can never, nor will we ever, fully, comprehensively understand God in all of his eternality and his uh, infiniteness, which I know is not a word, uh, but that's the best I could do. Now, Isaiah forty twenty eight says this, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God? The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. And then Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So again, God, his ways are beyond finding out. His thoughts as the, as the heavens, the stars, are higher than the earth. Light years, millions and trillions of miles higher and above and over the earth, so great are his ways and his thoughts higher than ours. And so God has given us language in which to understand him and by which we can describe him in ways that make sense to us. But God is so much over us and so far beyond us. He is unfathomable and his ways are beyond finding out. And we would not and could not know him had he not revealed himself and made himself known to us. And then Romans eleven thirty three through 36, to wrap this up, says, Paul writes this, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So Paul ends uh, that section of the book of Romans on a crescendo of praise to God. Uh, Man, it's just amazing. Amen. God is light. He is unfathomable and beyond finding out. He is without compare. God is just amazing. He's fantastic. Just beyond our comprehension. So, uh, man, just hope that that's been a blessing for you guys today to just get, a, a again, just another view of just the greatness of God and how amazing he is and that he is worthy of all of our worship and praise. And so may he bless you guys today. That's going to wrap it for me. It's been a pleasure to be with you. We'll talk to you later. So once again, thank you for joining us today for Centuries and Saints. This is Scott, and I hope this episode was a blessing for you to help you better understand the God of the Bible, the God of Scripture that we serve and worship. So if this podcast has been a blessing to you, would you spread the word? Tell your friends, your families, your coworkers, people you know that could use this podcast to be a blessing to them as well. Again, it's available on the iTunes store and also on Spotify. So with that said, thank you for listening. I look forward to being with you next week as we continue wrapping up the attributes of God.